That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Got another dude! Hey! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right. Dudes to the left. Stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy. Bronco Nagurski Award. Ultimate dudes. Got another dude! O-line you. Bunch of dudes. A lot of dudes. Yeah! Another dude in the house! Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by 4th and Dude. Season 2, Week 2. Chestnut Hill was the site of the Boston TD party this weekend, as the Eagles hung 48 points on the Minutemen in the first half, en route to their first victory of the year. It was one if by land and two if by Anthony Brown, as BC dominated in all phases of the game. As Paul Revere would say, The Eagles are coming this season. On today's episode, we'll recap the blowout, break down a busy opening weekend in college football, and say a prayer for Holy Cross next Saturday. Matt, take it away. Matt, what a way to kick off the year. That was uh, really a lot of fun uh, on all sides of the ball all afternoon. Uh, Just an overall perfect performance from the Eagles, exactly what uh, I think we all would have drawn up if we could have had an ideal situation. We got out of it relatively injury-free. Everyone looked good. We got the backups, plenty of reps. Just to, and, and it was great weather, by the way, which we all know is a big concern uh, over at 4th and Dude. So overall, just a fantastic day. I'll, t- I'll tell you, you never know what's going to happen game one, right? As we saw with Penn State and Appalachian State, anything can happen game one. Um, UMass, a lot of people were talking up UMass this year. Coach Adazio was saying it's the best UMass squad he's ever seen, which I think he says about every team, every single he's, year. He's very quick to give praise. Yeah, I would agree which, with that. By the way, it works. I mean, I, I'm, I, he scares me when he says that. I think Fair. you know he does that, and then it's like, wow, we beat the best UMass team ever. Everyone gets gets really uh, happy about it. I love, he's a genius. Um, but anyway, add it to, uh, add it to his resume. <laughs> to uh, forty-eight to seven um, at halftime. That's that's really the the headline here. Um, BC officially has a passing game. Um, to compliment A.J. Dillon, which is the ginormous question mark coming into the year. Anthony Brown looked incredible. Um, he did have a, a little rust on, on maybe the first uh, two or three throws of the game, and then after that uh, he threw some, some pretty perfectly placed balls to, to Kobe White um, as well as the tight ends. And uh, surprise, surprise, A.J. Dillon um, can catch the ball out of the backfield. So, um, you know, those first few drives of the game were, were great to see. It was, you know, a lot of the questions we had coming into this season was, you know, can Anthony Brown make the jump? Can A.J. Dillon catch? Uh, how good is the offensive line? And I think a lot of these were answered. Well, I'll, I'll say answered for now, right? It, it is UMass. Yeah, it's still UMass, yeah. Um, but pretty pretty perfect afternoon, I think, for, for game one of the season here. Yeah, if A.J. Dillon can, can, can catch, and clearly he looked like he could on Saturday, that is very bad news for the ACC and for all other Heisman candidates out there. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit. I think you're probably going to wish he had a couple more touchdowns, but uh, overall him getting that one touchdown on a great pass, his first ever reception, which is a really weird and, and wild awesome statistic. Yeah, 
it's great. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like you said, I mean, Brown looked phenomenal uh, for my money. And again, coming back on a relatively short turnaround off an ACL, a few small misses, like you said, but really nothing major. And he didn't need to, uh, you know, make any, there, there were no instances where any minor mistakes would hurt him. Again, the, the factor of playing UMass, but overall 279 for four touchdowns in his first game back in, uh, you know, it's really, he's only been going full speed for a couple weeks here. Pretty much a dream start. Adazio said something. I, I I don't know how true it is. He said Anthony hadn't taken a single hit in practice yet, which I don't and know. To, and, and, and he mentioned that Anthony mentioned that uh, there's a press conference that BC tweeted uh, earlier today, and they mentioned the same thing. They were like, "Oh yeah, how's it feel to get hit again?" And he's like, "Well, you know, I've only been hit once, uh, and that's really it for the last like nine months." So yeah, <laughs> it, it, he got hit once on Saturday, and that was the extent of it. So I guess we'll see what happens. But fortunately, we don't have any big bruisers coming to town until Clemson. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, fortunately, it was UMass, and it's not a factor. But I have to, I have to imagine that uh, you know, let the guy get get a little dirty before game one. But uh, and Daz, yeah. we trust. That's what they say, right? That's it's, yeah. It's that's that's definitely that's definitely what they say. On the, I guess the hitting note, uh, big victory is that we came out relatively injury free. Baker went down a little bit, but it sounds like he's fine there, according to Daz's Monday press conference. So that's good news. Uh, and then I think what a long snapper went out, and then we missed that snap later on. But that's, <laughs> yeah, right. I'll I think worry he's gonna about be that fine. later on. If AJ and Tony are healthy, that's that's good enough. Yeah, exactly. And and just a quick note on Baker too. I mean, arguably the line was even better without him last year. I don't want to say that because obviously he's very you can't say that. team yeah, and all you can't that. Say that to our captain. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know that. I know that. But I'm just saying we have so much depth there and so much talent. Um, that's not a we we are prepared to have injuries on the offensive line. Um, so yeah, if there's a spot to, to have it, if there's a spot there. to have it, it's no question uh, on the O line. Again, if we lose Dylan, if we lose touchdowns, if we lose, I mean, heck, you know, our, our tight ends or our receivers, we're in major trouble. Uh, same goes for D line. O line, we can afford to lose a little bit. Get the Lindstrom brothers together. It's always nice. I feel like when sports teams have a, a brother and brother combo, I feel like that works out well. It's an X factor because you got the uh, you got the mental telepathy. Is that is that how you pronounce I think that, that? Yeah, I think that works. Yeah, yeah, I think I nailed that. Um, so, so AJ, let's just move through this quickly because it's UMass. Um, it is UMass. But, so AJ had a uh, had ninety eight yards rushing, two catches for uh, twenty seven yards and a touchdown. It was kind of a quiet game for him, um, but you could just tell. Um, you know, he was he was cranking out six to eight yards uh, carries every single time. Um, just dragging defenders for you know after after contact, so he looks like he's in uh, in midseason form there. Um, that so I mean not that that was ever a question, but it's just good to connote good to know that AJ uh, you know hasn't lost a step obviously. And that was one of my favorite parts of the game too. If you watched like you noticed it when UMass would make a stop on first or second down and they stopped him for like five yards, like they were psyched as a team, like they were excited when they only gave up five yards on first down, which shows. Obviously, the, the caliber of running back he is, but also what UMass expected. Yeah, I mean, he didn't break out. I think everyone at the game watch was kind of waiting for that 50-yard touchdown run that he's you know known for. Um, but he didn't, he didn't need that, and that's completely fine. Oftentimes, by the way, those come in the second half after he wears teams down, and he exactly. obviously didn't have the opportunity to do so. So, yeah, I, I, no harm, no foul for me on that one. Matt, that was literally written down on my sheet there. I was going to make that point, but you, uh, you beat Sorry. Good. good work. Sorry about that. Um, not much else to report defensively. Um, you know, other than that first or second drive, I think it was where uh, one of our our cornerbacks got burned on the double move. He was trying to he was trying to get on Sports Center. So he was trying to make a pick six basically yeah. on, the first, on the first play from scrimmage. Well, you know that's what Lucas Dennis is teaching him, right? You want yeah, to jump, you true. want to jump that route, you want to take Absolutely. it to the house. 
but no, that I mean that receiver is actually pretty legit. Like he's getting uh, NFL. He'll probably be like a seventh round draft pick by the by the Pats. Uh, but he, he's a legit receiver, you know, as, as far as you know, at least as far as US is concerned, right? So um, other than that, they settled down. Um, nothing to complain about on the defensive side. Couple garbage time touchdowns. Outside of that, I mean, it was it was kind of business as usual. Special teams, right? Was was. Uh, seven for seven extra points, so that's good. Um, a couple snafus there. They had a bad snap that hit Jeff Smith right in the face, um, which is a pretty funny highlight. Punting was was kind of eh. You know, they, they I think they averaged thirty four yards, but again, it's UMass. Uh, who really cares? Probably isn't a good depiction of of what reality is going to be. Right. Um, but this is what we do. Game one, right? We we, we read yep. way too much into everything. Uh, they had the kickoff out of bounds. So if, if I had one nitpick to make, it would be. Uh, you know, just showing up the special teams a little bit, but that's what uh, that's what preseason games are for here, Matt. So. Yeah, and by the way, I'll take I'll take seven for seven on the extra points. I think last year we were pretty strong on the extra points, but like we're also conditioned as BC fans to just expect the worst. Seven for eight if you include the bad snap, but yes. Okay, fair. That's a fair, fair point. But overall, I will I will take that. Last year, Colton was was pretty strong on that side of things as well. So good to see more of the same. Obviously, we didn't see him kick from anything outside of you know whatever seventeen yards. But um, otherwise, all good. Only other note I have on this game is this was made more enjoyable over this past week thanks to UMass Twitter of all people. I didn't expect oh, them to have. Oh, oh, is it oh. My, am I spoiling something here? Yeah, it's my dude of the week, Matt. Okay, all right. My, my my dude this week. I'll, I will. Yeah, dude this week. I'll, I'll hold off. Then I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you get to that. But yeah, I think, you know, I think we wrapped it up nicely. Overall, this was just a dominant, I won't say better than expected, but as good as we could have expected start, we did turn heads in the ACC. And as we'll get to in a little bit as well, that was uh, a hard thing to come by this week was turning heads in the ACC because uh, everyone else stunk. So nice we're starting to, get- to, we're starting to, I mean, obviously the, the AP poll just came out yeah. uh, more on that later, but uh, I was watching uh, whatever it, it was on Saturday, the college football roundup, whatever, with uh, Jesse Palmer and, and Joey Galloway. And, you know, they, they showed some BC high. Well, they showed one BC highlight, and it was the, the extra point where the ball went off Jeff Smith's really? face. It that's, was like, that's yeah, the one they took? It was like, exactly. It was, so, oh, I mean, my God. It was like their version of, come on, man. I think yeah, they call yeah. it, like, what were you thinking? Which, I don't know. That, that happens. We've all, we've all been there. But I tell you, the, the disrespect train continues uh, for Boston College. Um, Wait, that's amazing. I, I did not. Yeah, that's it's. Like- that's brutal. It was. It, I, I couldn't believe what I was what I was seeing, and um, but no, that's that is what it is. I mean, it's football in the Northeast. I, I thought the public perception had been turning around, especially on the ESPN front. So that's uh, that's disheartening to say the least. But sure, whatever. I mean, if we if we can sneak up on people, all the better. In their defense, it was a laugh out loud funny play. If you watch it in <laughs> slow motion. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, that's UMass. I mean, we couldn't have hoped for for anything better. And I, I guess again, I mean, the the, the takeaway here is that. You know, it was a pretty solid UMass team, we think. Um, and BC has never embarrassed a, I don't want to say good opponent, but somewhat legitimate opponent like that ever. Um, that's a, a non-FCS school, I guess I'll say. So uh, it's a really Florida good State, sign. Florida 35-3. That, that, to three. It, no, that's a good point. Good point. A good point. But 48-7 to seven at halftime is pretty, uh, pretty damn convincing. So looking forward to, uh, to the rest of the season here based on how that first game went. Yeah, I completely agree. So I think with that, let's get into our usual segments. Again, just a reminder, I know it's a little confusing, and I know we have some new listeners. So we have Dude of the Week, and then we have Dude or Pood, and then we have a couple other kind of tough dude puns that we make work. They don't always make a lot of sense, but we go with it. What do you want to start with this week? Uh, Let's do Dude or Pood first. Okay, awesome. I've got a couple here. I don't know about you or or how you like. I I know you like to go Pood first normally. Yeah, I'm going to go Pood first. Okay, yeah, why don't you you get us started? Yeah, you touched on it earlier, Matt. Um, and I don't know how serious I am, so I'll, I'll just I'll say that. But I am. I, I think I am a little serious. Um, AJ Dillon, one touchdown, 
absolutely got vultured city with by Davon Jones, right? And and even David Bailey. I I don't know. Bailey um, got one, but I think that was with the twos. I think that was, was later, David right? Jones. Yeah, yeah. Irregardless, Matt. Can we just get him a couple touchdowns? Just just he got the ball to the one, and then we put in Davon Jones. It's extremely difficult. We're trying to win a Heisman, right? We're trying to win a Heisman. That hasn't been done at BC in a really long time. It's very difficult for a running back that isn't in the national championship conversation to win the Heisman. Not saying that we won't be in the national championship conversation. Because I'm saying, yeah, right, let's, let's, let's worry about that first. But in, in general, a running back wins it, I don't know, once out of every seven years or so. Reggie Bush won it. Um, Mark Ingram won it. Is that his name? It yep. is, right? Okay. Yep, good job. I was thinking Brandon. That's a basketball player. Yeah. The, the last time uh, someone won it that wasn't in the – national championship i did some research matt ricky williams right back in 98 you could you could say uh ron dane but he they had a, a really good year i think they were in the rose bowl but ricky williams was on a, a kind of a, a mediocre texas squad they were like eight and four nine and three his first game against new mexico state he had 215 yards and six touchdowns so i'm just saying aj's trying to get a heisman why can't we just give him the ball in the one Get rack them up a couple touchdowns because and people said it doesn't it doesn't matter how many touchdowns you get against UMass it matters how many you get against Miami and Clemson. Well, I don't know. Ricky Williams finished the year with thirty touchdowns when he won the Heisman. I think that's a pretty convincing uh, way to do it. So I don't know. I was I was disappointed, but if if that's the one thing I'm gonna get mad about, then uh, then we'll take it. Okay. Well, so again, to your point, you can also win it. You know, if you have thirty touchdowns, but also if you're on a national championship team. If A.J. Dillon goes down because he's trying to force a run and there's a big pig pile on the one-yard line and he, you know, tears an ACL, God forbid, and is out for the year, we're not winning the national championship. But we're not winning keep, the ACC let's keep championship. Him on the bench. Let's keep him on the bench, Matt. That's fine. No, but we don't need to put him into situations where, you know, a, a, a linebacker and Davon Jones can do the job just as well. That actually segues very nicely into my poot of the week, so I appreciate it. But I really didn't have much uh, negative on the team this week, obviously. So uh, it will be the fans who still found so much to be negative about is my poot. So specifically, the note that I have here is the people who were mad about uh, not giving AJ the touchdowns, the people who are mad about pulling the starters um, on the rivals message board. There were definitely a couple folks, the kind of usual three or four suspects who just will never be happy until Steve Adazio leaves Boston College forever and alumni field birds to the ground. There, There's a group of fans who are just never going to be happy unless they lose, but that's kind of a catch-22 because I feel like if you lose, you're not happy. I don't get it. I don't get where their mindset comes from. Um, so that was really my main pood for this week. It's kind of, I guess, a pood of the people within a pood. So uh, a little confusing there, but they were very annoying. And then again, I will so wait, say that I, I'm in your I'm in your pood. Well, technically, just, I guess if you were serious with your with your uh, you know with your commentary there. But my other pood as well, which is not serious, is that we have a Heisman controversy on the heights with Davon Jones, but we actually might have one with Tony touchdowns. The guy was unreal. <laughs> like, I just want to say that much. Davon Jones is not one of the Heisman. I know there was jokes about that. Tony touchdowns. That was a Heisman. That was, that was how you start a Heisman campaign. Let's put it that way. If you're bringing up Tony, is Kobe white in the, in the discussion as well? He looked like Calvin Johnson out there, Matt. He on, looked phenomenal. Yeah, catches. fine. Put him on the list as well. Put him. He's in the top five right now. Can you imagine that on an all BC Heisman ceremony? I think there's a serious chance that that's going to happen, so I don't want to joke about it yet. Zach Allen will throw, be the throw, defensive Throw Zach Allen in, yep. maybe a Lindstrom brother. Who knows? Well, Lucas Dennis. He's going to have at this oh, point. Right. He's on pace for he's on pace for 15 pick sixes. Like that's pretty good. <laughs> I like our chances. Um, all right, I will get to my pood now. Um, that was my pood, so I'll get to my dude now. Um, and you touched on it. The, the UMass fans, right? Um, they did a lot of shit talking after beating. Uh, uh, embarrassing Duquesne squad by like 50 points. Um, and I think they learned the hard way that B- 
PC is is not Duquesne. I don't know. I, I was kind of searching around. I'm kind of doing this new thing where I think we should try to pick fights with the opponents. I don't think I'm going to do this with Holy like Cross because that's just that's kind of mean and they, that's just not even worth doing. But um, I'm going to try to pick a fight. I think via Twitter every game this year. So um, I, I I did some research uh, via via the UMass Twitter and they were coming up with all these conspiracy theories about why. Their big point of contention was why the uh, the UMass BC game wasn't on TV in the Boston area, which I'll admit is is kind of bizarre. But could be. A, by I mean, the way, that could be a little mini pood too, is the fact that it wasn't on TV, but not I mean, a big who, deal. But who can't stream it? I mean, if you have I an agree. Xbox, I, if you have an internet, if you have anything, like you can stream, you can stream, watch, and it's really high quality. There's an argument to be made that this is probably the year more so than ever that we can get casual fans, you know, casual local Boston fans onto the bandwagon and. Again, if you're, unless you're a BC or a UMass fan, you weren't going out of your way to watch this game. But if it's on Nesson and you're flipping around on a Saturday afternoon, because I don't think many of the early games were, were great, uh, why not land on that and say, wow, this is actually a phenomenal offense that happens to be a 10-minute drive away. Let's roll with it. I think mini poot again. If I'm nitpicking, I'm, I'm a nitpicking fraction here, of but. a fraction of a fraction of a population, and it's very old people probably that can't figure out how, how an internet stream works that aren't interested enough to go to the game. Um, or care at all. So um, anyway, so so that was kind of uh, they used that against us, saying the ACC doesn't give a shit about BC. They're embarrassed by them. They think that um, we're going to be too much competition. It's going to make the conference look bad. Just everything you could think of. And so as I was I was laughing out loud, I, I tried to you know pick a a quick fight, saying you know all these guys are getting worked up about a preseason game. This is ridiculous. And then someone fired back. And the next thing I knew. You you took over Matt and you and you came over the top. You kind of went viral and yep. you, you laid out all the all the reasons uh, everything that BC's done for the ACC since we joined. It's a great tweet. Um, but anyway, it was great that that BC because I I don't know we, we we talked some shit, but you never know how they're going to back it up. And BC obviously played a pretty flawless game, so it was uh, that that was my dude this week. Having you know putting out a, some stuff on there, going out on a limb, and having the boys back it up for us. Yeah, I, I really did not know that UMass had a Twitter mob the way they did. That was, uh, it was pretty impressive. I mean, it was, it was only a few like, people, but they're loud. It, it was, yeah, it was a very loud 10 people, I'll say that much. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess credit to them and good luck the rest of the way against Howard and one of their other, you know, FCS teams you guys play every Saturday and we'll worry about the big time football. Um, so my dude, two is, you know, uh, two of them. The first is basically everything that happened on the field. Again, no negatives like we covered. Um, my second one is a shout out to the students. I think they did a really good job in the student section. The, the general attendance in the stadium did not look great, but any shots of the student section you saw, especially in the first half, it was completely packed. I know we usually get a pretty good turnout game one because it's just kind of like what you do, but you never know on a, on a you know nice Labor Day afternoon if people have other things going on. So I was proud of them to support the team. I think that's they're always the backbone, backbone of good um, home attendance and, and home atmosphere. So that was great to see a mini pood within the dude. Remember our first game, by the way? Yeah, 59 our first, our first nothing, game on Northeastern. Yeah, yep. 54 to nothing, right? Northeastern? Yeah, it was and Northeastern. They, uh, and, and they, they canceled, their, they <laughs> they canceled the football program like the that's next what, day. That's what Montel Harris will do to you. I'll tell you what. Yeah, and then also, also yeah, just a little mini pood within the dude. People were complaining about them leaving at halftime. I have no issue with that whatsoever. If you're 48 to 7, there's a lot of good things going on on the heights that, that we you all know and be love. There. That, 
Yeah, you, you got to go worry about it. I mean, even at the game watch at Dewey's, at halftime, people stopped you know, paying full attention. They have a great beer pong set up there, as you well know. So that was kind of took over as the main uh, point of attention throughout the I was the watching from home. I almost I left my house at halftime. I had nothing to do if I was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, again, this is this is a pretty clean tutor poo. There's uh, not much to be upset about on the heights this week. Uh, so I'm going to segue again here, Matt. So into due to the week, your boy, Marty Jet. Mar- oh, sorry, Martin. Don't call Charmant. him Martin. Don't I know, call him Martin. I know. That's not all. And that Martin. goes for everyone. There's a PSA. It goes for everyone. The entire BC community. Do not do it. Um, we, we will gotten, kill you. We've gotten email, uh, emails threatening us not to call him that. So Threatening um, makes it seem a little intimidating. Maybe no, we shouldn't say that. He just asked us politely, hey, I prefer Martin. So just let's call him Martin. But we'll, yep. we'll threaten you. I'll kill you if you call That's him right. Martin. That's right. Exactly. Uh, so I'll say Martin Jarman slash uh, our boy head of marketing, DJ Dirty D, uh, are my official dudes of the week. Um, there was a, a viral video, somewhat viral, I, I don't know, had probably 100 views, uh, that had the BC student body or student section singing, wag, uh, not Wagon Wheel, uh, Mr. Brightside uh, in the stands, which is obviously a, a, a nice little song by the Killers that is just an absolute electric factory. Um, the BC class of 2013, I believe, mostly our, our roommate who... Uh, is also a DJ on the side in addition to working for Fourth and Dude, in addition to law school and all that. Um, I think he single-handedly, correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt, I think he single-handedly brought Mr. Brightside into the fold as an electric tailgate playlist song. I'm gonna. I, I think. I think I might be correcting you if you're wrong. I, and that's not to say that I'm def. That I definitely know that he wasn't behind it, but I feel like that's a big. That's, that's a big uh, statement that you're given there, and I, I. I don't know. It would be a good story if that's the case, but I don't know if that's true. He was the first I heard of it. So Okay, that's fair. That works. I'm trying to throw him a bone. He was actually helpful on Twitter last week for the first time since we started this thing. It's the first time uh, he declined to get in Twitter fights with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, so anyway, so so DJ Dirty D was kind of the, the king of the mods. Uh, our senior what did, year. What did Martin what what did Martin do there? Uh, so I think he told guys, he told the, the PA announcer, Hey, the kids are, are really enjoying Mr. Brightside, why don't you play that and then they'll sing along. Dude, the band's been playing that since we graduated. All right, so maybe I'll just cancel this whole dude of the week. <laughs> you then, don't Matt. have a dude of the week. We beat UMass yeah. by 60 points, and you can't go up with a dude? All right, my dude's Anthony Brown because he threw for 300 yards and a half. Thank time. you. I don't know what you want from me, Matt. My dudes of the week are Martin Jarman. For, for all the reasons you noted, we had a great turnout. He's making the game experience great. There's beer lines everywhere. And I'm throwing our former roommate a bone here because he brought he repopularized the killers into mainstream media. All right, we'll go with it. Um did what did you did you hear anything? Did you you have any uh, contacts at the game this weekend and hear anything about the beer lines? The message boards seem to have mixed reactions about whether or not they actually were better. I know nothing. No. So they still I know do cans, which was a big concern or, or question. Cans I guess, that we into had. cups. Cans into cups, which is just just wild. I mean, I'm sure it's very expensive them to outfit it with you know a full tap room and lines all over the place. But yeah, apparently it was still not the best. But again, game one that was my bold prediction for the year is that that would become a good system. So I, I still have a lot of confidence uh, on that side of things. Other quick pood that I forgot to mention. This is completely irrelevant to everything on the football field. But I heard a rumor that they recently got rid of late night. That's a mini pood on my list too, Matt. Yeah. So I think they relocated late night and they are now putting it in Addie's which is a horrible idea for all sorts of reasons. Um, a, no one wants, like, lettuce pizza at 2 a.m. Oh, at Addie's, yeah, 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 yeah. After a okay. night at, at, at Chiswick or Braymore, yep. whatever. And uh, B, that's a lot of stairs. That's way too many stairs for a bunch yeah, of Yeah, that's dangerous. Kids. C, that's a liability. why? What is the point? That was one of the... 
I'd say it's in the top 10 of, of BC thing. Reasons I went to BC was because they have such a great late night program. Yeah, that was the highlight of reunion for me, at least. Was the, was oh, the that was night. awesome. So, yeah, yeah. great. All right, so whatever. That's well, At least it's not all the way gone, but not ideal. Uh, I'll move on to Dude of the Week since I have a more legitimate one. So I have two. Again, and just to be clear, this is different than Dude or Pood. I don't really know how to explain how it's different than Dude or Pood, but I know it is. It's kind of more of a singular thing. Whatever, we're going to go with it. Uh, two, my first is Dewey's, uh, again, the Game Watch Bar in New York City. We talked about it a lot last year. Great place to watch a football game. They figured out the Wi-Fi this year uh, for the games, which is huge. So last year, as we know, we had a lot of games that were streamed on, uh, you know, watch ESPN, ESPN3, whatever, and they would almost completely cut out and never get good quality. And it was yeah, really a double check the archives Saturday from experience. last year. Double, double check the archives after we played, uh, was it Central Michigan? What was the game they played in, sl- in slow motion, Matt? Yeah, so that might have been Central Michigan because it was early they, on on watch ESPN. It was terrible. It was incredible. They, they they were streaming the game in slow motion, and it, it like wasn't an ESPN3 thing. It was like, Dewey's can only play slow motion uh, stream of the game, and it was uh, it was wild. So it took them a full quarter and a half probably to, to get it right. So, Matt, I'm psyched to hear that. I'm no longer <laughs> in New York, so I'm not a Dewey's guy anymore. Um, but it's uh, it's great to hear that they're, uh, they figured things out. They're official. You know, we're getting big. you, you got to have you know a bar that can back it up now that we're going to become a, a top 25 program. So that, that's great to see. Absolutely, yeah. So, the, so the picture was crystal clear. It was just as fast as anyone who had it, you know, pulled up on their phones just to test it. So, yeah, they get definitely a due to the week shout out. Um, excited to continue to go there throughout the season. My second one on, on you know, I think a more legitimate note, uh, giving a shout out to AJ Dillon's mom. So, there was a Bleacher Report article that came out this week that was went again very viral in the uh, college football world. It's basically just a full expose on AJ and kind of his background and what he's looking to do this year. They compared him to LeGarrette Blunt. A ton of great things, a ton of great things about BC and, and very Leonard well deserved. Fournette. They compared to Leonard Fournette, I think. Matt. What did I say? LeGarrette Blunt. Oh, yeah, Leonard Fournette. That, being compared to LeGarrette Blunt, would, would that really move the needle? <laughs> no, probably not. No. no. <laughs> but anyways, so his mom specifically was you know a feature of the article. So for, for a lot of his life, raised him by herself. Worked multiple jobs. She was a teacher during the day, and then I think she was a waitress at night, uh, but still found time to make sure he was doing his homework and grading his homework. And then more importantly, found the time to get him up every day at five in the morning to run wind sprints. So when he eventually wins this Heisman this year, I know everyone always, you know, thanks their mom and, and, you know, God first. She will far and away be the most responsible for this Heisman, and it really won't even be close. So major shout out to her and also shout out to that article. Um, again, it's just great to have positive press on the lights again. Yeah. 100%. AJ is obviously a stud. It's great that the story goes along with it. All right, let's jump to our next segment, um, Eagles in the Wild. Matt, I'll go first because we actually have our uh, – this is a little anecdotal for us, but we have our fantasy football draft tonight in about 30 minutes, so we actually have to wrap this up before <laughs> then. Um, Matt Ryan, by the way, is criminally underrated in fantasy football this year. I don't understand why that's happening. People are saying, I guess, the Kyle, Kyle Shanahan effect. Um, Matt is going to – absolutely light the NFL on fire this year. He's going to be a top five quarterback, take it to the bank, book it. I'm going to draft him probably in the fifth round. He's not going to like the 10th. Um, that's one of my Eagles in the wild. My second Eagle in the wild, Matt, is, and I just shot out an electric tweet. I assume it's going viral right now, but it might not be. Hold on. Nope, just the one like Stelton. Just the one All like right. All right, um, So uh, apparently the Eagles golf team, which I can never figure out if it's actually a real team or it's club or if it's intramural, who knows. They have a, a someone whose real name is Christian Cavalieri, um, who apparently shot a 64 the other day. And so as someone that's been, you know, a Laguna, Laguna Beach guy for much of my life, as well as the Hills, um, and more recently, very Cavalieri, 
um, which all these are on MTV. Very Cavalier is, is... Was she was she on the hills? Not to cut you off, but... Yeah, so... And I don't want to get into this, but she was one of the enemies of LC on the of hills. Of course. Of course. Um, so it was her, Heidi, and LC, and it, it was a whole thing. So, uh, But anyway, so Very Cavalier is actually one of the best shows on television right now. Um, you get Kristen, who's married to Jay Cutler, who is just horrible. It, but horrible in, like, a good way. Like, he just... It's, it's the entire season's about she's starting up some shop and he like comes in and just messes stuff up. And it's, man, I don't know if you watch it, but it's, it's must watch television. I can't say I do. Opinion. I'm too backed up on The Real Housewives. I don't have time for so, that yet. So, that, so that's an eagle in the wild. Uh, I can't believe we have, we have a real person named Christian Cavalieri. And, and we're into the age now where like that was a person when he was born, probably, right? So I think his I parents probably knew what they were do doing. The math as well. I don't know if it's quite there yet, but either way, like he was like two years old. And the parents must have just been like, well, well, well come on. Like, really? <laughs> like, we're going to name Kristen Cavallari after him right away? So it's tough <laughs> you got, time. you got to go with a nickname, though. You, right. can't, you can't be Christian Cavallari your whole life. Right, right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Matt, I don't have – I have a clean Eagles in the wild this week. I have nothing. Um, I've been too busy doing fantasy football draft prep all week. So I'll uh, give ready, you for one. Another, uh, ready for another third-to-last-place season. Noah Hannafin. I did a lot of homework this week. Noah oh, Han- yeah, name? big money. Big he money. He got paid. And I don't know what – was he – we were probably, you know – well graduated by the time he was there, but I think he was pretty good, right? Drafted pretty high. Now he's making thirty mil for someone. So. so not bad. Um, so that's your Eagles in the wild. Yeah, thank All you. Right. Appreciate it. Uh, so our next segment is my personal favorite, um, and I think we're we're gonna just quit, hit on a, a few things here. Um, but it's Judius Corpus, which is where we um, take typically ACC. Um, or other teams on our schedule, or anything that's happening in the, in the college football world, into the courtroom and decide whether they're guilty or not guilty, or something else. Mistrial, um, hung hung jury. Basically, yeah, basically breaking down what happened over the weekend, trying to figure out if they're uh, overrated, underrated, what, what's going to happen when BC plays them. Um, so, Matt, I, I can kick it off here. So, a couple games that I was probably keying in on, uh, and, and by the way, if you guys haven't listened to the season preview uh, last week, do so. It's, uh, it's a good episode. We break down kind of game by game. Well, how the Eagles are looking, position by position by position, um, et cetera. So, but anyway, so Purdue kicked the the college football season off uh, Thursday night against Northwestern. Um, they ended up losing Northwestern. Um, I don't know. I don't have much to say about that game, Matt. But did you see that the the like I don't even know what to call him. He's pretty much Sherm Alston 2.0, except like oh, really really good. Yeah, this guy Rondell Moore, who had it, it was uh, he had a bunch of. Uh, Awesome catches, touchdowns, a uh, million yards. He, he's pretty much Sherm Alston 2.0, and I'm terrified of, of when we play him. So um, Purdue, I, w- I wasn't scared of in the at the beginning of the year, but now I am because they have him. They did end up losing the game, as I said, um, and their yeah, defense I, is horrible. I, I, I kind of disagree with that take, to be honest. I think that, if anything, that game made me feel much better about our ability to go in there to get a win. Unfortunately, I do see our game shaking out in a, I guess, similar way. It will be, I think, kind of a shootout. Uh, much the way Northwestern was, but I mean Northwestern, I don't think is. I mean they're they're a fine program, but I kind of put them on the same level as like a I don't know maybe an NC State or like a Wake Forest kind of mid mid to low tier ACC school, and they went in and I don't want to say didn't have any problem, but was a relatively smooth sailing win. Um, I think it only ended up being by you know one score, but it, I think it felt a little more uh, convincing than that. So to be honest, that that knocked my opinion of Purdue down a little bit again. It, you know, I was never terrified of that game, and I was also never thinking it would just be a cakewalk. I'm still kind of right in the middle, but yeah, to be honest, that one didn't do a lot to me. You also had a take on on when on Thursday night, uh, opening night as well, that the wake game to Tulane actually somehow scared you more, you know, th- than it did not. And I, for that, think you're crazy. 
I don't know if, if we're bringing this into the courtroom or not yet, but the the Wake performance against the yeah, yeah bring let's Wake bring in. let's bring Wake in. Yeah, did you watch the game? Uh, I watched the second half. I was on a I was on a double date at a comedy show. Not to brag. That's yeah. kind of that's really hipster. Um, it was a good time. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, so I watched the game. I was actually a committed uh, fourth and dude podcaster here. Uh, the final score did not reflect the the game itself. Uh, Wake's offense is is way better than the 20 points or whatever they put up against um, uh, against a low level FBS team. Well, no one knows how good Tulane is, and I don't I don't want to make this whole show about this, but <laughs> they have this backup quarterback, and everyone's saying Wake's going to be a joke this year because we're playing. Uh, you know, Kendall Hinton's out. They're playing. They, they have their backup guy in there, who I think is a true freshman. He's literally John Walford 2.0. So we talked about Sherm Alston 2.0. This guy is Bobby Walford 2.0, who absolutely lit us up last year. And now I think I think I think he made the Jets. I don't know. I think he was trying out, but um, he had like 400 yards passing, another 100 yards rushing. They okay, but the, then what's the, the issue? Receiver. How does- how do those they numbers then equate to only 17 points in regulation? Yeah, they couldn't they couldn't score in the red zone, but that's uh, that's pretty variable. That's that's kind of random, Matt. So if they're putting up that kind of yardage, then uh, they can score. So uh, Wake is officially not as as much of a slam dunk, and I know it's because they barely escaped Tulane. It's counterintuitive to, to any type of logic, but just saying, uh, Wake kind of scares me. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, and it, you know, again, as credit, I didn't really watch those games in full, but it seems like in general, Thursday night was a negative night for you in terms of the Boston College schedule and the rest of the way. And it could not have been more the opposite for me. I came in after seeing the scores and watching the highlights on Thursday night. I feel much better about what we're going to do in weeks three and four. So I guess we'll see who. who Matt, comes I was out in the topic. trenches watching the game. You, you got were. the highlights, so we'll see what it. happens. I'm, I now I'm it. almost rooting for BC to lose against those guys. Just to <laughs> just prove to wrong. that would be that would be a good one for your mantle. What's next? I mean, we have the whole list here, and, and obviously we don't have to spend a ton of time on all of them. But well, we should touch on the ACC real quick because it was yep. a huge weekend for yep. for us, and and not in a good way, uh, in a lot of ways. So well, a good way for BC, not a good way yeah, for the ACC. Well, yeah, but that's one and the same, right? I mean. It's good for us having a good record, but maybe ten and two doesn't get you in the national conversation anymore because the ACC. I'm, I'm making a you know obviously overreacting here to, to week one, but you had Louisville getting you know absolutely dominated by Alabama. You had Miami getting absolutely dominated by LSU. I know the score was closer than it looked, but they were down I think 33 to three at one point to a LSU team with a ton of question marks. What was last night? Florida State looked terrible. Votek. Which, oh yeah, yeah. Votek which Votek looked State, right? Votek, Votek looked, looked good. Yeah. But yep. it was the storyline is is FSU is bad so horrible. Um, so you look at which by the way, real quick, can I give up? a real quick credit to us? We were the ones who were on top of Miami being horrible and Florida State being horrible. It seems like the rest of the country just forgot. Well, forgot about FSU last year, but also like didn't watch any of the Miami games last year. Every game we watched in Miami, they were terrible, except for the one against what Notre Dame. I guess I think was the one they looked good at. Um, every other yep. challenge they had, or even not challenge, they looked pretty pathetic. And it seems like they're keeping them more of the same. So I'm glad they've been exposed. Uh, again, they have know, a continue, four game losing streak right now. Yeah, exactly. And continuing on the, you know, kind of, I guess my takeaway from Thursday night um, with this, you know, with with the game on on Sunday night, I now feel a lot better about that game as well. So it just kind of continues the theme of me being more positive about the BC schedule uh, with everything that we've seen this weekend. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, especially in the coastal, I don't I don't know how that's going to shape up now if Miami is not the real deal. I think Virginia Tech looked really good. Um, but again, it seems like the narrative is that uh, Florida State is just, just really bad. So, And that's the thing with Luke 1. You, you have nothing to compare anything to. So we'll right. see in the next few weeks what actually happens here. Uh, but as far as the Atlanta is concerned, it's, it really has become Clemson. And mm-hmm. someone, one of the Clemson bloggers tweeted it last night saying, wait a second, I think BC is you know by far the toughest game on our schedule. And they're, and they're yep. right. 
Um, I think it is going to be, you know, Clemson and then it's, it's whatever day it is, October 21st. That is, that is the ACC Atlantic championship, really the ACC championship playing game. Um, yeah, I don't think that's, one, I don't think that's you, crazy to say. If you completely over extrapolate week one, that's where we're at. <laughs> okay, right maybe now. it is a little crazy to say, but sure. So I don't know. We'll see. It wasn't it wasn't a great showing for the ACC, but I also think that you threw up some of our most overrated um, bad teams. Like if you threw up a Duke in there, and you know they're going to surprise some people. You threw up a Louisville team that you knew was going to suck against you know Bama, right? Yeah, that you was not up, surprising, right? You threw up FSU that has a ton of question marks, and you threw up Miami, who we all know is overrated. So. Uh, it sucks that the ACC is is now looked down upon already, but um, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll figure out who emerges and, and who the real deal is in the next few weeks here. Uh, one other thing, non ACC, I want to touch on is Temple. I famously uh, predicted last week that AC uh, BC was going to have a, a tough time with Temple. Um, they lost to Nova, so disregard. That's tough. Yeah, that's really that was that was a tough scoreline to see uh but again but by the way you weren't on your own either saying that that was going to be like a, a trap game for a you know a, a potential game. slip-up game they hate yeah Dex. exactly <laughs> they really do so that was nice to just put well, them again back in their place also to be fair speaking of Daz, remember Daz's first game back in 2013 against nova we were down at halftime to them they, they had that fake punt remember that we were, were we down at halftime, at halftime? i remember the fake punt yeah. I don't, were we down at halftime i think we ended up winning by by three scores yeah, it was, yeah, it, was we, comfortable. We were, it was like uh 10 7 at halftime or something like that so. yeah um and then the only other two that i will mention and then i uh will bring i don't know what the official term is if we have any law scholars out there they can correct us but i'm basically going to bring all of the acc into the courtroom at once uh spoiler alert but so cuse gave up 9.7 yards per play that's actually a bad number you don't like to give up almost a first down on every single play Offense looked good, though. Offense did, electric. offense did look good, but they might give up 100 points to anyone in the ACC. Uh, and NC State, again, struggled with JMU, which I feel like JMU is normally one of the better FCS teams, but it's still an FCS team. So overall, They're unimpressive. Champs, aren't they? Yeah, I think they might be. But does that mean anything? Like, I don't no, know what it, that... it doesn't. No. Right. Good point. So overall, I'm going to bring all of the ACC, except for Clemson and maybe except for Votek, into the courtroom as what, I guess, co-defendants, kind of like a mafia trial. And I'm charging all of them with being really bad. And I think they're guilty in my book. I will only disagree with you in that you're, I mean, it's week one. And, you know, a, a team, especially like Louisville, is going to get way better, right? They have a, a Jawan Pass, who is a good recruit, and he's a good football player. They have some stuff to work out, obviously, but anyone would look bad in their first college, real college start um, against a team like Bama. A um, couple things. I mean, hang on. Is, hang on. His last name is Pass? Yeah. Did is you not watch the game yet? Yeah. That, uh, was that on Saturday? Uh, yeah, Saturday night. No, we were, we were watching the Michigan-Notre Dame. That was on where we were. Yeah, you flip back and forth, though. Yeah. Do you have a remote control? It's at a, it was at a bar. I can't ask them to just flip back and forth every couple of They only minutes. have one television. They had a bunch, but they were all on Michigan and Notre Dame, so I don't know what to tell you. Got it. Um, all That's right, pretty so, good, though. He's a quarterback, and his name is Pass. That's yeah, like pretty... I wonder if they, uh, if, if they did that on purpose. Although Patrick Pass, I think, was a fullback, so it didn't work out he for him in the same way. Injury. And he couldn't, he couldn't really catch. He couldn't catch nor pass, as far as we can no. see. So. Funny how that works. All right, I think that that just about covers everything we wanted to talk about. Um, Are we adjourned? You got to say we're adjourned. Oh yes. Uh, did that come through Bang. on your end? I, I hit the gap. Yeah, I got it. Perfect. We can work that in sound wise. Perfect. Um, guilty. Everyone's guilty. Uh, all right, so let's talk Holy Cross real quick here, Matt. Um, basically, it, it's kind of an, a, another tune-up game. It's a it's a practice. It's a glorified scrimmage. Um, but I don't know. Why don't you kick it off? Do you have fun facts? 
I've I do have fun more. facts. So we forgot the fun facts on UMass last week, which I apologize for because everyone knows that's the best part of the uh, opponent preview. So I got two good fun facts here. Um, so first is they were founded by the same guy who founded Boston College, Benedict Fenwick. Yeah. About 20 I, I years was, later. Yeah. How about that? I that's that one of the more man. fun facts we've had. I'll be honest. I so, like that one. And I, I couldn't get much intel on this. Why did we name a, a dormitory after Fenwick? Well, he still founded if, BC. Like, it's not like, I don't think it was like on terrible terms that he left BC. Like, he still was the founder. That he just founded another school? Yeah. He just, just, I don't know. He, he was imperialistic. He wanted a bunch of uh, schools, I guess. Yeah, who, who did he found first? BC, like 20 years before. Okay. I think he was also the president at Georgetown at some point, too. So he's kind of dipped his toes in all the Jesuit waters, so to speak. Uh, just kind of a little bit like Monopoly, but with Catholic colleges. So that's my first fun fact. Second one, a uh, little bit of a shout out to me. Math majors is their fourth most popular major at Holy Cross. Matt, why don't you retroactively transfer there? Thanks, Matt. What do you got? All right. Uh, so Holy Cross has had an absolutely electric run of recent concerts. They have a spring weekend every year, much like BC does. Um, and they've had a, a pretty solid lineup recently. Um, in 2016, they had JoJo and Third Eye Blonde, which honestly... Oh, JoJo's if, a... She's a Foxborough gal, isn't she? If if I could drum up one concert, it would probably be that one. Uh, in 2017, they had Time Flies opening for T-Pain. So that is okay. a little less impressive. T-Pain yeah, okay. hasn't done much <laughs> recently. Um, and then we'll go back to 2006. They had Phantom Planet. Uh, is they that the OC the, soundtrack? Yeah, the OC, exactly. Okay. Uh, maybe we can we can feed that sound into the. Yeah, we'll see. All right, um, all right. So those are my fun facts. Uh, next on the list here, we do the notable alumni starting five plus six man. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, so I'll start it off. I will go with uh, Bill Simmons. I think he's by far their 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 biggest name and their uh, most famous alumni. Boston sports guy, really great writer. Doesn't I don't I don't love him on camera. His show on HBO didn't really work out that well. And now that he's getting old, he seems a little bit more out of touch with like millennials. He kind of has a little old man yelling at cloud thing going on. But uh, we'll still need to give him his recognition as one of one of the best, if not you know the best sports writer uh, of kind of our generation. So and and by far I would say the most famous Holy Cross alumni. Yeah, I mean he invented uh, you know kind of blogging from the the fans' perspective. So I don't want to say he you know. Un, un, indirectly inspired us for this podcast, but um, he, was he hates BC, by the it. way. Yeah, he, I remember he had a quote about the marathon, and it was like someone asked him, "Hey, Bill, like, where's the best place to go watch the Boston Marathon?" And he goes, "Avoid Cleveland Circle because it's full of drunk kids that are bemoaning the fact that they didn't get into BC." So, by the way, I he think, says stuff I think, like that all the time. No, all the way like, around. He's he claims that they're they're all drunk bemoaning the fact they didn't get into Holy Cross, which is like what ridiculous. That's what I meant. You said BC, yeah, and it's ridiculous. And, and and I'm pretty sure he's on the record as saying he was rejected from BC, which is why he hates us. Exactly. So much. Yeah, that, so, that was that was my point. Go figure. You got it. All right. So from one hated journalist to another, uh, I'll throw Dan Shaughnessy in the mix here. Got to do a spot. Um, he is, I guess I'd call him the original hot take machine. Um, whatever everyone else is, is thinking, he says the opposite just to get some page views. Um, and, and from a BC standpoint, it seems like once every couple of years, it, his one Boston college related contribution is to write about how no one cares about BC or no one cares about college football in the Northeast, you know, rather than using that time to, to sort of drum up interest in in the sport or try to get anyone excited you know you talked about the aj Dillon story there's all sorts of things you could do as a sports writer um if you wanted to you could talk about the local talent you know the ej perry's andover guy lucas dennis from everett right 
Um, so instead of doing that, he just says, these are all the reasons why BC sucks and no one cares about football and this is Pat's town and, and all that. So, but that's the job um, of being, that's the job of being a journalist in Boston. When, when our teams win everything all the time, they need to like make up fake controversies. So they blame Belichick for stuff. They get into all the deflate gate conspiracies, whatever. Uh, one anecdote about Dan Shaughnessy. Uh, so the Boston Globe's new headquarters is in the same office building in Boston as uh, where my company is. So I've been in an elevator with him before. He is without a shadow of a doubt, the, I won't, I won't necessarily say ugliest, but just most mm-hmm. disheveled and least put together human being you'll ever see. He, he brings the whole caricature of this old school sports writer who's just out of touch with everything to an entirely new level, just a disgusting human being and, and matches the, uh, you know, the personality perfectly. It was it Carl Everett, I think who named him the curly haired boyfriend. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's just about sums it up there. Yeah, he's uh, he's HD television has not done him any favors, and I'll, I'll t- I actually like Bob Ryan. He's like a, a really BC bad guy. version of, of Bob Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Bob Ryan's pretty pessimistic, but you know, it, it, Sha- Shaughnessy wears it on his sleeve and doesn't you know to to be ironic and all that. So he's the worst ca- ta- type of human. Um, all right, so my next one is going to be obviously Neil Fingleton. Um, oh, obviously, that, what was I that thinking? Was on your list. Um, <laughs> he is the tallest man in the history of the United Kingdom. Uh, he played <laughs> basketball. He was seven eight. I mean, he was huge. Um, he played one season at UNC, which is really, I think, one or two games at most. He had all sorts of injuries. UNC uh, Chapel Hill. Yeah, oh yeah, he, he oh, played. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw about one highlight. That was about wow. all. All she wrote. Um, he was seven eight, man. He had a lot that's, of problems injury wise. <laughs> that's sad. He's. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to joke because he's probably dead now. So. More to come on that in a second here, Matt. He uh, he transferred to Holy Cross um, after a year at UNC. I don't think he saw uh, you know maybe five minutes a game. He I think he averaged one point seven. I'm actually I'm looking at one point seven points, uh, which is not a lot if you're seven eight. In the Patriot uh, League, especially, you got to be getting at least like five points a game at that height. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, Matt, you'll appreciate this. He is dead now. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what? Why would I appreciate that? No, that's not what you'll appreciate. You'll appreciate this. I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, but you are. I don't know I what am. season you're on. He played Mag the Mighty in Game of Thrones. Uh, Do you know who that is? I don't, but I. Oh, so he, this is like a recent death. Yeah, he died a couple years ago. Okay. Um, really sad. But he he was an actor and he played. He only played tall people, I, I would presume. But Mag the Mighty, who I don't know who it is, but I'm sure our listeners do, are, are thronies. So you guys call it. I don't know. So he, he was an actor after before he died, but after basketball. So uh, That's, a, that's a heck of a resume right there. Um, I'll be honest, that's a tough act for me to follow with the number four pick. But I'm going to go keep it on the hardwood and go with Bob Cousy. So Celtic great. Um, but more importantly, a former BC basketball head coach. So that was in the, I want to say... I'm not even going to throw a decade out, but maybe like the 80s. I was going to say 50s. So I was going to say that originally, but that felt way too early because I feel like he was playing around that time. No, he played like way back in the day, Matt. All right. Well, maybe the 60s he was the head coach. Whatever. We can uh, we can figure that out. But um, yeah, BC head coach. So two weeks in a row, we had Al Skinner last week on the UMass train and now Bob Cousy on the BC train. So that's my number four pick. Number five, um, kind of a – I'll go with a – it's a negative pick. Like he's not a, he's not a good – uh, well-recognized person, but Ted Wells, who we, of course, know better as the con man who was in charge of the Deflategate investigation, uh, is a Holy Cross graduate. So that's a real black mark in my eyes against them. Uh, obviously, it doesn't go well with Shaughnessy. Maybe they were in cahoots a little bit because they're you know both clearly anti-patriot. Uh, so Ted Wells, just a terrible human being and, and, again, a really bad representative of the Jesuit education. That's a deep one, Matt. Good work there. He's he's the worst human on the planet, I'm pretty yep. sure. yep. Um, all right, I'm deciding between a couple here. You missed Tommy Heinsohn. I can't believe you're going to bring up a but Celtic. But I didn't want to do Cousy. You know, I didn't want to just do two two Celtics. That would have been too okay. easy. All right. 
Um, well, I'll go with here's I'll go with JD Power, who I think is a pretty you know pretty nice uh, alum to have. JD Power is the authority on all things reviews of any kind. I think mostly cars, right? Um, JD Power and Associates. You know, I think you know cars is his. I think yeah. Now I didn't I did not know it at first when you just said JD Power, but now that you say it, JD Power cars. and Associates. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, so I knew it was we, Associates. We I guess better than him. Fifth on the JD Power rankings. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad. So he dropped an, a nice three million dollar donation uh, earlier this year. Oh, uh, he's like he's still alive. I would have thought he was like eighteen hundreds type. Stuff. I'm sure he he's got to be like ninety seven. But yeah, that uh, seems like something they've still, been giving that award out for two hundred years type thing. He's still he's still donating. He's still active, and he's still giving out rankings. So uh, I think that's a pretty good get for for Holy Cross. And that's about it, Matt. Frankly, it's a, it was it a bad list. A, it was a really really bad list. Although Matt, um, you missed. There was one that we did not mention. They had uh, another. They had another astronaut. <laughs> It's incredible. Why? So, every so for those of you that, that have just that have just tuned in for the first time this episode, my co-host is absolutely obsessed with BC football opponents, astronauts. No, I'm not obsessed at all. It's just a matter of fact that when we do this for every other school, they always have an astronaut section. Every single school, every ACC school, Virginia Tech has like ten. Uh, UMass had one. Holy Cross has one. We don't have any astronauts. I just feel like that's a niche that we're that we're missing. So mm-hmm. I don't know what we have to do to work on it. I know we're developing a new physics center. Maybe that will. Get us in the right direction. A couple other uh, honorable mentions here. Tommy Heinsohn, which we mentioned, is obviously the, the voice of the Celtics for all, all of our childhoods. Uh, giving out Tommy points, complaining about the refs. He, he's an absolute beauty. Um, and then John Favreau, Matt, but not the not, famous yep. one. Yeah. So, he, so that he tricked ha- me. He hosts, the, he hosts, I knew you were going to get tricked when you saw the name, but he hosts a great podcast now. Uh, for like I probably wouldn't like it. He's, he's an Obama guy, right? Yeah, but you don't know what politics you like, so I think that's okay. <laughs> We don't, we don't have to get into that now. Okay, all right. He used to be an Obama speechwriter, which is cool, I guess. Um, but not the, the John Favreau, the director slash actor slash swingers and Elf. Vince Vaughn's buddy and Elf, I guess, is the, the big one. And, uh, I don't know. The break is that up. the big one? Yeah, I think Elf is, is kind is of the... Big? Yeah, I think he's got a... Iron Man. Did he do any... And Iron Man, yes. Depends yeah. where you rank Elf and Iron Man. So. Good point. <laughs> That's for another episode. <laughs> Um, all right, so with that, I think we should get into, uh, I think it's time to get into a little football. Does that, sound, does that sound good? Let's talk like three minutes of football. Yeah, so the only thing that I think is noteworthy about this game is that it is a, a rivalry and an old school rivalry at that. Oh, wait a oh. second. Are you not doing the tail, tailgate ability rankings, Matt? Yeah, yeah. well, I was going to do that after this just because that's how I happen to order my notes, but I guess we can do it however we want. Okay. Matt, you're the boss. Do it. All right. Well, no, I mean, I'll do tailgate ability. Tailgate okay. ability. So, yeah. <laughs> so as we will mention in the next section, uh, they are a terrible opponent, but it is a rivalry. There's a slight bump, but that's only really for the uh, older historical factor, not our generation. So that bump is kind of neutralized. We are fun to watch, though. That does help our score. Um, it is still early season football. We are undefeated. And it's great weather. It's 70 and sunny. So as you know, with us, that is always kind of the number one thing I look for. With all of that said... Uh, this is really only a thing because of the fact that we're actually fun to watch and a good team and we deserve support. So I'll get a 15.2. Uh, again, out of 30 Bud Lights. In years past, this would probably get maybe a 7. But 15.2 because we're doing well and it's and it's still early and nice weather. Wow. I got 13.3. Um, and I thought that was going to be high. I thought you were going to put in like the 8 range. So I was, I was ready to justify my ranking. I could have um, gone lower. Yeah, I mean, this is just like Howard 2.0, right? Yeah. Um, so, I don't yeah, know. but they I mean, get the historical factor. That's yeah, the only reason. That's the only yeah. reason it gets something. I, I guess so. I mean, uh, so, so and we stunk. And we stunk when we played Howard. 
We weren't yeah, a good team then. We still beat him by 76. Um, I guess the, the, the one of the big po- or two big positives, uh, AJ Dillon, I think will have a huge game. I think he'll, you know, if we give him five, uh, touches, he'll probably have five touchdowns and 300 yards, uh, would be my guess. Um, the weather you mentioned, I figured you would cover the weather. Yep. Um, it's an auto win, which is always good. Um, and you also get an extended post game if you're, you know, kind of sneaky about point. it. That's a good so point. Everyone, everyone's going to leave at halftime and an extended, uh, day and nice weather on, on, uh, on Brighton. So, um, so that, that's the tailgate ability rankings. Um, I got a couple things on the football side, Matt. Um, you mentioned the rivalry. Um, everyone knows, if, if you know anything about football, 1942, right? BC is undefeated. They're number one in the country. Uh, all they have to do is beat Holy Cross in the last game of the year. They get blown out at Fenway Park by a score of 55 to 12. Um, but that turned out to be a good thing, didn't it, Matt? Do you know why? It sure did. Yep, it sure did. Do you know, or do I need to Yeah, I, of course I know why. I told you last episode, I read the book on the history of the program. Plus, I just am a big Wikipedia guy. Like, I read history articles all day. So, yeah, I know why. Do you want to Do you want to give it away? Is it the Coconut Grove thing? It is, Matt. It is. Yeah, why don't you take it? Yeah, so the Coconut Grove. So, BC had scheduled their celebration party for having an undefeated regular season. And I forget where the national championship was going to be that year. But basically, their national championship selection. They rented out this this big uh, nightclub in, in the south end of Boston. Um and sure enough, after they lost, nobody showed up. So it just became a general admission night at the club. 492 people were in that night, or maybe more. But uh, anyways, fire catches one of the tiki themes in the club. Thing completely catches on fire, and 492 people ultimately die. So that would have been basically our entire football team. Um, we did, I think there was, I, I believe the only BC casualty, or at least BC football-related casualty, was there was a team manager who went uh, sadly with his girlfriend who showed up anyways because he didn't know it was canceled. And they got there and they said, oh, yeah, just a heads up, you know, the team canceled the party. And he said, ah, well, you know, maybe a couple of the guys will show up anyways, so let's stick around and have a fun night. And sadly, he uh, did not make it out. But I think he was the only BC football-related uh, death there. But still, 492. Terrible. It's the worst fire in Boston history. Yeah, I was in the 40s, though, so I think we can uh... – I wasn't going to say laugh about it. May they rest say, in peace. May they exactly. rest in peace. Okay, perfect. All right, so back to football here. So so I guess on that point, this is a rivalry, I guess, for, for all the It's a rivalry in name only. Yeah, and and I don't know. Obviously, Holy Cross is an FCS program. They're coming off a pair of four and seven seasons. They have a new coach who's um, kind of restarting the, the rebuilding process here. Uh, but they, even you know from last year, they lost a ton of talent. They had a really good quarterback who I think actually got to try out with the Vikings, which I don't think you see every day with with Holy Cross. Um, and they kept within a touchdown of UConn last year. So uh, if we're playing last year's team, we probably only beat them by 50. Um, but they lost everyone from last year and new coach and rebuilding. That probably equals 70-plus. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to watch over the next few years, though. I mean, they're starting to schedule legit FBF schools uh, more often. They have Syracuse and Navy uh, next year. And then obviously us again in 2020. Um, so they should uh, re- rebuild in a hurry, I guess. Um, but I'll, I'll just jump straight in my score here, Matt. Uh, I have us at 68 to nine. Um, and let's just get the the backups in there, the second and third units, get them some experience, um, and get ready for Wake next Thursday. Yeah, I'm with you again. It's this is not a good Holy Cross team by any measure. They're 0 and one uh, with a loss to uh, Mighty Colgate on the road in week one, which is a tough team to lose to. Uh, I think that they could be a worse team than Howard. Uh, if you look at someone like the S&P ratings, they're, they're very bad. Um, and obviously we're much better than the year that we played Howard. 
I think that we could easily go out and score 200 points and go running clock. But similar to last week, we will just go up huge in the first half and basically shut it down, um, go full backups the rest of the way, even though our backups then could still put up you know 60 points on their own. But whatever. I'm officially going 59 to 6, a little lower than you, but relatively in the same thing. I just I don't see any way in which they score. Um, you know, more than a couple field goals or, or get in the end zone or anything like that. And again, I think we'll pretty much score at will. Same as last week. Let's pad the stats a little bit and we'll just get everyone out healthy, get some good reps in. And we have a short week coming up on Wake Forest. So that's the number one thing. If we can uh, keep everyone fresh and, and ready to go into, you know, really when our season starts the following Thursday. And just for everyone out there, this does get more uh, football intensive as we start to play legit <laughs> opponents. So uh, that's if you're here for the football sure. and we're disappointed, uh, just that that's coming. We got to provide some uh, some side commentary while we uh, are playing the, the UMass and Holy Cross of the world. But of course, and and, and as always, uh, keep following us at Twitter at Fourth and Dude. Uh, we're on Instagram as well. I think at Fourth and Dude, we got to probably do a little more out of that account. But the tweets are good. We tried to tweet a lot during the game day. I know our volume got a little high uh, on Twitter during uh, the UMass game, but we toned it down as the starters pulled out as well, just to kind of keep us fresh for the remaining season as well. So yeah, give us a follow over there. Uh, a lot more fun, uh, similar to these podcasts, if you guys find them fun. All right. I think with that, that's uh, that wraps up week two and uh, looking forward to, to the rest of the year and, and continuing the undefeated streak. Any, any closing words, Matt? Road to 15-0 is still a full go. Absolutely. It's always a great day to be a dude.